Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Three Roll Estate Craft Rum Distillery, crafting premium rum from their own Louisiana sugarcane. Three Roll is cane to glass. From Nola Pizza in the Nola Brewing Tap Room on Chapatula Street in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Rashidi, Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Rashidi. Welcome to Out to Lunch. When we're confronted with a challenging task, we reassure ourselves it's probably achievable because, you know, it's not brain surgery. We say this because every single thing created by humans, from sewer system to satellites, ultimately came from the human brain. And yet, how the brain works remains among the most vexing and mysterious elements of our existence. Of course, not all humans are created equal. There is a small group of men and women for whom the human brain is not a complete mystery. These folks devote their professional lives to understanding and unraveling its secrets. One of these neuroscientists lives and works in New Orleans. Dr. Nicholas Bazan is the founding director of the Neuroscience Center of Excellence at LSU's Health Center. He leads a team of 90 researchers in areas ranging from Parkinson's disease to traumatic brain surgery. Dr. Bazan's team publishes multiple research findings every year, and Dr. Bazan himself is the holder of around 120 patents in the area of neuroscience and the treatment of neurological disorders. Notable, even among his other achievements in the field, Dr. Bazan is the discoverer of a new class of biochemicals found in the brain known as ELVs. In 2018, a year after he made his discovery, Dr. Bazan founded a local company, Neuresto Therapeutics, and to research and develop the use of ELVs in the treatment of traumatic brain surgery and stroke. Nicholas Bazan, welcome to Out to Lunch. Delighted to be with you. It's uh, so, so kind of you for the introduction. <laughs> Got a lot of good things to say about Thank you. Thank you. If you've ever been in the hospital or have visited anyone who's a hospital patient, you'll be familiar with an IV. Typically, one of the first things that happens to you as a hospital patient or even in an ambulance on the way to the hospital is you get an IV line inserted into your arm or your hand. The reason for that is intravenous, which is what IV stands for, it means basically straight into the vein is the most efficient method of delivering fluids or drugs to someone who needs them. But delivering drugs to a patient through an IV is not an exact science. It relies on a human operator getting it right. In light of that, here are some sobering statistics. Medical errors are reportedly the third leading cause of death in the US after heart disease and cancer. 73% of medication errors involve what's called push doses. A push is the rate that a person administers a drug through an IV. 95% of IV push errors are the result of the drug being administered too quickly. That's why Tonya Aiken has invented a device she calls Safe Push, which is also the name of her company. Safe Push, the device, is a small disposable piece of equipment that fits on the tip of a syringe or an IV and precisely regulates the flow of that drug in a way that doesn't let the person administering the dose push it any faster than the set rate. 
SafePush, the company, was launched in 2019 and is looking at a potential market of 137 million devices per year. The cost of the device is about $20, really just about the same as the cost of a large pizza. 137 million times 20, that's a lot of pizza. Tanya Aiken, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you, I'm so happy to be here with you. Nicholas, I probably don't have to tell you, neuroscience is a bit out of my range of normal conversation, but as I understand it, most disorders of the brain are, even today, treated at a pretty rudimentary level. For example, the standard treatment for traumatic brain injury is rest. Your discovery of chemicals in the brain called ELVs could change how we treat all kinds of brain disorders from concussion to stroke. ELVs apparently kick our own body's recovery mechanisms into action and improve neurological recovery. Potentially, the use of ELVs could provide therapeutics for victims of stroke, Alzheimer's, and even macular degeneration. This would be an extraordinary revolution in medicine. Where are you in the process of making this available as a medical option? Well, we are pretty much advanced because the Actually, the first concept that drove us there, you actually summarized very well the challenge that we confront in medical sciences, because the, the true last frontier of medicine is, is our brain, to understand how, how it functions, how functions the mind. And the challenge that we have nowadays, although we live longer than before, the quality of life as we age is really not good. I mean, there are many, many consequences, chronic diseases, and particularly the neurodegenerative diseases that you mentioned. So we ask experimentally a very simple question in, in my laboratory. How the brain responds to injury? Is there something inside the brain that responds? Think, think for a moment. There are forms of Alzheimer's disease that we call them familial forms of the disease. So. They are due to mutations, so there are genes that have mutations. These people are born with the mutations, yet clinically the disease pop out when they are 40 years of age or 50. So my thinking was, what happens in the brain 30 or 40 years before the disease appears? How is it that the cause of the disease is in the person for all of those decades, yet the disease appears later? So we, in our mind, came up with the idea that we might have in our brains, molecular guardians. And, and the lobanoids are a molecular guardian because we mimic how the brain responds. We develop the chemistry, we made it in the laboratory, and then we put it back in conditions of disease. For example, models of stroke, as you mentioned, traumatic brain injury, retina degeneration, and also in Alzheimer's. Most recently, we have actually approached this issue in patients with Alzheimer's. As you know, I also, I'm also a professor of neuroscience in Sweden, in the Karolinska. And I have a, a laboratory there and colleagues there where we were able to study the cerebrospinal fluid of patients with Alzheimer's, trying to test if what we have seen experimentally will happen also in patients. Tanya, I'm sure most of us assume that when we get hooked up to an IV and get drugs administered that way, the nurse or doctor who is regulating the flow of the drug is doing 
something pretty simple, but apparently, like a lot of things, it's not as simple as it looks. A lot can go wrong and does go wrong. Given that your device, SafePush, is simple, relatively cheap, and I assume proven to work, it's not hard to imagine that every hospital, ambulance, and doctor's office in the world would want to use it every time they give someone a shot that has any chance of failure. If that kind of demand becomes a reality, would you be able to manufacture and deliver millions of safe push devices? Uh, yes, we would. Uh, we actually have gotten the price down to below $15, around $12 uh, with the manufacturer. And I just want to emphasize that the healthcare providers are doing the best they can right now because they are short-staffed, they're overworked, they're often working in chaotic environments. So it's not something that they intentionally do, but it's the environment that they're in. So we have created this device so that it is an innovative tool to assist the healthcare providers in providing a safer and more effective way to deliver IV pushes. And other than this, would they be, I don't know, clock watchers, something, that, where would they uh, get the timing? Well, th there is no need for the clock or watch because the current standard of care right now is looking at your clock or watch and estimating or guessing at the rate of the IV push delivery. This will eliminate that. You will attach it to the tip of the syringe and then it will not allow you to go any faster than the rate that it is supposed to be. Now, Dr. Bazan, you, you do two things that are really amazing. You, you're You've been at LSU for like more than 40 years and you've had 35 years of consecutive funding. Uh, where did you, where'd you come from and what brought you to Louisiana? <laughs> well, um, you see, um, at the LSU School of Medicine, I am at the Neuroscience Center. And we are an academic unit that, of course, we teach residents, medical students, but our big challenge is research. So I'm lucky to have 15 different teams of scientists studying different aspects of the brain. The challenge to understand the brain and conquer the brain is to have a multidisciplinary approach. We need to think from different angles. And, and that's what we are doing at LSU. So in, in the case of the Lovanois that you mentioned, we came up now with the, with the chemical synthesis and we are developing quantities in order to be able to initiate preclinical trials because we have proof of principle that these compounds who are the, which is the technology of neuresto therapeutics by the way at the time of the virus i had i never worked on the virus in march 2020 i began another company called curvir biotechnology and and we develop now derivatives of the lobanoids against the fogging of the brain that happened that happened in long covid so, uh, because COVID also, as you know, will affect the brain and the heart as well. So there is uh, such uh, a thing as COVID fog. Uh, there is such yes, a thing. I well, it, we, we call it long COVID. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a syndrome because there are several type of symptoms and presentations of the disease. It's not something very well defined, but it's a long consequence of the viral infection in some people because it affects the immune inflammatory system, which is the target of our elobanoids and molecules that we discover. So yeah. we, we patented all of this in LSU, and LSU is very entrepreneurial. So we license, we have exclusive license of all of these patents in the, in the startup companies. Uh, so, so the point is basic research, discovery, 
and then application of the knowledge. That, that, that can be done today. Tony, you're, uh, I didn't get to this in the front part, but you're a nurse and an attorney and your husband's an ER doctor? This yes. sort of fits in, doesn't it? Yes, it does. My husband, uh, Dr. Jim Aiken, is actually our medical director for Did Safe Did you select Push. him because of his skill set? <laughs> yes, we'll say yes. <laughs> <laughs> but now you've got a company, and this is a whole different set of skills. Um, and where are you in that? I think you're... Um, you're at the uh, seed level, is that? Yes, we're at the seed level. Um, you know, my background is medical malpractice, and I represented nurses before the uh, nursing licensure board. So that's my, um, this all came about because I had a case where uh, an IV push was given too rapidly, and my client suffered the loss of use of an arm and hand. So then it was like, there's got to be something better that we can create to prevent that from happening and to assist the healthcare providers. So that's how this came about. I talked to Jim and we, we both said, no, there, there is a need here that is an unmet need. And that's how Safe Push was started. Now you have um, all of these things drag on with the FDA, which is good. I mean, they should be looking at every, um, this as a medical device, I would think would have a certain amount of, um, delay and such, but not a, not a lot? What, what should I be thinking? I know Dr. Bazan's must go through years and years and years. I'm just trying to as a comparison. Right. We have started the FDA process. We actually were accepted into the STEP program based on a safer technology. So that's where we are right now. We're starting that FDA journey. And uh, do you have product in the field at this point? The product is not in the field. We have had photo uh, focus groups. We've had surveys done. We have uh, letters of support from many healthcare providers and healthcare systems. So it is gaining acceptance, and it, uh, people want it as soon as we can get it out on the market. <laughs> You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Tanya Aiken from the medical device company Safe Push which is also the name of the drug administering device she has invented, and Dr. Nicholas Bazan, a neuroscientist whose world-leading work in traumatic brain surgery and neurotherapeutics is based right here in New Orleans. Uh, Dr. Bazan, I'll ask you the question that listeners are thinking, would you like to add one more job, and that would be the uh, Saints concussion protocol guy that sits in that tent and tells you if you're... If well, you're it's very interesting that you bring this up. Uh, about four years ago, we sampled the LSU players uh, in their blood. And we, the, we are about to publish two major papers on this because we discovered biomarkers of traumatic brain injury in football players. So we have in the helmet a sensor for the magnitude of the concussion. And, and we obtained the blood of these, of these players. We, we have uh, all the IRB process and all of that. And it was very rewarding because we asked the question, can we see markers in the blood? And we found some novel lipids, is one of the things that we work with, and also microRNAs. But more than just having a biomarker to say somebody with a concussion could have consequences in, the cogni in their cognition, more than that, what I wanted to get out of this is a lead to an experimental therapeutics. You know, when because, I because you, you see, that, that, that is the name of the game. Children nowadays are playing soccer, and they are hitting the ball with their head. And the ball is very heavy. In Argentina, where I grew up, we used to do that uh, all the time. You know, you hit the ball. And in England, children football players had been 
actually clearly defined with initial long-term consequences of traumatic brain injury. So, so it's a serious issue that we began tackling and we came up, we came up with, with some new ideas. There are four patterns actually from the point of view of the mechanisms because the mechanism can lead us to new ideas of how to develop a therapeutic. We are interested about having a therapeutic for the onset, early stages of traumatic brain injury or Alzheimer's or other diseases. Because if you do these studies later on, you are looking at the consequences of the pathology. We are interested about the onset, the early stages, to be able to slow down the disease. Imagine with the lobanoids, one dream that we have is to delay the onset of dementia five or 10 years. I, I think curing it is a big word, but imagine that we can delay five or 10 years. You know, Tanya, you've been thinking about the difficulties in doing what you're doing. One of them had to be, you got started and then COVID hit. And I mean, to me on the outside, it looked like the only thing medicine cared about was just, you know, discovering some way to uh, block COVID. Um, what did you do? You were pushing out a new product with a new company raising seed cap, like by Zoom? <laughs> well, we actually became very proficient at Zoom. Yes, uh, that was a big thing. Uh, and we, you know, we did have problems because where we were building our prototype, the manufacturer actually, you know, many times half the staff was out with COVID, so it would delay the progress. So, so that Yes, it did delay progress, but we're okay with that. We're back on track and, uh, you know, trying to push this thing out, so. Now, on the business side, um, you were uh, with one of the, the groups at um, Idea Village. Yes, and, yes. Um, did, they, um, did they get it, and did they, what did they really do? Did they find a way for you to package that story? To investors? Absolutely. Idea Village was phenomenal. Um, they gave us that push that we needed, and I would advise any new uh, company to uh, to apply to the Idea Village Accelerator Program and to do their precursor um, program also. Uh, it was phenomenal. We now have been in seven accelerator programs, and that was a start. We are now in the largest medical device accelerator program in the world. It's called MedTech Innovator. And we were selected one out of 50 companies globally to be in that. <laughs> Dr. Bassan, you've written two books that apparently don't have much to do with uh, medicine or, or, uh, or anything about what you work on. And then one of them became a, became a movie. How do you do it? I'm exhausted sitting across from you. <laughs> well, the, the first one is, is called, it's a fable of music and the mind, and the one that was made a, a movie. And, and the main goal or, or objective that I have in my mind is to remove the stigma of Alzheimer's disease and of dementia. Because in society, today, brain diseases is a stigma. Name it addiction, epilepsy, Alzheimer's, all of those are brain diseases. And, and so, I thought that the beauty of our city and the music were a good way to portray what really happened to a human being with Alzheimer's disease. And that, that is the, the theme of the novel and of the film. And to, to show all the beautiful parts of the city and, and, and is a just player with Alzheimer's, the, the main character. And there is a doctor neuroscientist that, that was born in Argentina that, that actually played the role of trying to help 
this musician with Alzheimer's disease. And that, that's, that's the backbone uh, of, the, of the novel and of the film. So you're actually <laughs> doing something for New Orleans tourism too, which is amazing. <laughs> but Tanya, I, okay, when I was doing the research for the show, I thought this is the most um, easy way to explain what a, what a person you are. And you and your husband were the king and queen of Cru de Vu. That was not what I would think of of a medical device inventor. <laughs> <laughs> we are, as you said, we are Renaissance people. Uh, we love all different types of things, and we um, we embrace New Orleans and all the different aspects. Whether it's you know Carnival Cruise, whether it's uh, being you know the um, scientific. Uh, scientific organizations that we're in but again um, that's part of New Orleans being part of a corner crew and we absolutely enjoyed being a king and queen that was a highlight that was fun why hasn't someone invented this product before uh, why is it well that's a good question um, there are um, they haven't come out with this product they've come out with other types of things but they're not uh, used because they're a little more difficult to find um, small volume infusion pumps and they're uh, it's you're often dealing in the emergency room or in critical care situations where it has to be fast so you don't have time to look for something you don't have time to find it you don't have time to calibrate it and look it up so you need something put it on and let's do it so that's what we're seeing, you know, that it can be used. We're also talking with, you know, um, the military department of defense, because in those types of situations, it could be used, attached and quickly, um, you know, delivered. Dr. Bazan, the new company, um, New Resto, uh, you're now we have uh, Tanya just it, well, getting some seed capital and people understand that. But you've. Um, you have a much more involved uh, fundraising to this, don't you? Well, we are at a very early stage. Uh, LSU uh, has a very well-defined uh, program where entrepreneurs like me can do this. So we went through, we, we have actually already developed a private, private offering memorandum and we license all the patents and we are now at the very beginning of the fundraising uh, process and, and for both companies, for Neuresto as well as the one for the virus. I've done this before, by the way, uh, in the 80s, I have an, a similar idea, and I wanted to do the company in New Orleans at that time, but the CEO that I brought from San Francisco was discouraged to stay here, so I founded that company in San Francisco, and in 1992, I did an IPO. That company that I began wow. then is publicly traded now. So I've been there, uh, but the one that has a lot of experience on this is my daughter, Patricia. I mean, she had experience in, in business development and all of that in a big way. I do have to ask um, both of you, because people are probably thinking, oh my God, I want to invest in these companies, but they're not like a stock, right? They're not at that stage. They, you're looking for private investors. Right. Uh, well, that's, that's why you have this document that our attorneys at Chuck McCall prepare a private offering memorandum, because they define that you have a tremendous potential to succeed, but also a very big risk. Yes. You know, and, 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 and you have to have legally that uh, de clearly defined when, when you talk to investors. T Tonya, I, I've been impressed since I learned about the product that you developed, because I believe there is a void in medical sciences. You briefly mentioned the Department of Defense. I believe in that area, is, is a tremendous need. And of course, in emergency medicine, in all kinds of applications, also pediatric applications and the like. 
So I, I believe the product that you have is very innovative. I don't think that there is anything comparable in the market. And so it fills a needed void in, in medical practice what you have developed. Thank you. I appreciate that. And that's what we are hoping to do, fill that unmet need uh, and provide an innovative tool for healthcare providers. Absolutely. So let me ask you a question. Sure. What brings you the greatest joy? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, my wife and I, we have five children and now we have uh, 14 grandchildren. <laughs> oh. Actually, 12, 12 of our own. And then one of our sons remarried and, and the two teenagers came and said, can we call you abuela and abuela to my wife and myself? So from 12, we went to 14. So, well, family, of course, is, is an axis in, in my life, obviously. And, and, uh, and then, you know, I am lucky because what I do in science and applying the scientific knowledge is very easy for me to do. It's something that, that I do, I'm sure, like, like things that others do. Uh, where where you you don't need actually to be forced to do that and it's, it's a joy to be able to be able to do you see uh, too much purpose in life with your with your job isn't that that, that incredible that doesn't happen often and and uh, and, and that that is something that brings me joy in addition to family and and of course all the other things that we talk about in New Orleans we, we, me and my sons, we are very actively involved in Marigra every year, <laughs> and, and in, we all love music, and and, uh, and so and we are celebrating now that our daughter number one moved back to New Orleans, Patricia. <laughs> At some point, we're going to have to recalibrate how we think about and describe New Orleans, as well as describing ourselves as the home of Mardi Gras and the hurricane. We could equally legitimately call ourselves something like world leader in medicine and medical technology. Nicholas and Tanya, I am sure you enjoy Mardi Gras cocktails as much as the rest of us, sure. but thank you for giving us a whole other reason to be proud of living here, and, and thank you both for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. I, no, I want to thank you because what you said is very important. I think what we are doing is really trying to develop a knowledge-based economy in New Orleans. A knowledge-based economy can add to the sports industry, to tourism, and we have the potential. Look at all the great hospitals and universities that we have, all the research and knowledge. So a knowledge-based economic development, I think, could be happening in our city in the very near future. We want to be one of the leaders in bio-innovation, and that's one of our, the goals uh, that New Orleans should focus on. I hope you're right. That would be the direction we should be going in. My guests at Out to Lunch today have been Dr. Nicholas Bazan, Villery Chair of Retinal Degeneration, Boyd Professor, and Director of the Neuroscience Center for Excellence at LSU Health New Orleans, and co-founder, President, and CEO of Neuresto Therapeutics, and Tanya Aiken, CEO of Safe Push. We edited the show to fit into the time slot here on WWNO. You can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about uh, Nicholas's neurology and Tanya's drug delivery by listening to the Out to Lunch podcast on your podcast app and on our website, itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com. 
These photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at LaFleurphoto.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris, our technical producer is Eric Merle, and our researcher is Maggie Mendel. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch table for more business. New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch was recorded live over lunch at the NOLA Brewing Tap Room, 3001 Chapatula Street, open seven days a week. NOLA Brewing Tap Room has a wide variety of craft beers and authentic hand-tossed New York-style city pizza by NOLA Pizza. More information is at nolabrewing.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Three Roll Estate Craft Rum Distillery, crafting premium rum from their own Louisiana sugarcane. Three Roll is cane to glass. And by Basics Swimming Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. If you'd like to be part of Out to Lunch, there's one sponsor slot open for 2023. To learn how your business or organization can become an Out to Lunch program partner, email info at inobroadcasting.com.